Well, we basically sang my sermon. Don't get your hopes up. I'm not going to let you off easy. But is it not good to sing the gospel and to be reminded of how faithful and how loving and kind and approachable and righteous and just and holy and good God is? To sing those truths from our hearts who have tasted and seen that God is good. So a question for you. Who is the gospel for? Is the gospel just for lost people? I submit the gospel is for every one of us. Especially those of us who are in Christ. We need the gospel every moment of every day. It's easy to lose sight of that sometimes. It's easy for me to begin to get in this performance-based relationship, if you will, in my mind with, with God. That I need to be good enough. Do good enough. So that I can have that, that good relationship. And that's just, that's religion. And we're going to look at a passage today that I hope will remind us all. To rest in the gospel. To enjoy the joy of the Father. We're going to look at a familiar story. Um, before we do, if you want to go ahead and find Luke chapter 15, uh, you can go ahead and find your place. Um, so I got a buddy named Slim. He came to Christ about four or five years ago. <clears throat> and it has been such a joy and honor to watch Slim grow in Christ. To become... Not just a godly man, not just a prayer warrior, but a, but a godly father who loves his boys, who teaches them to pray, to pray for the nations, to, to love the word. He, he works hard to point them to Christ. The other night he was at the dinner table with his boys and he was kind of quizzing them on some different doctrinal things. And he has a, a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. And the six-year-old kept getting all the answers first and correct. The older brother said, Duke, how do you know all this? And Duke said, it's them big old ears. <laughs> but he knew, right? God gave us ears to do what? To hear. Often in the ministry of Jesus, you heard him say, let he who has ears to hear, hear. Right? It's one thing to hear. It's a whole other thing to listen. So my encouragement to us today is to really listen to what God's word has to say. If you will stand with me. To honor the reading of God's word. We're actually going to do something a little different. Um, we're going to read Luke chapter 15. Verses 1 through 10. To set the context. Then I'll let you sit down. Because the passage we're going to look at. What you know as more familiar as a prodigal son. Is a little bit lengthy. So we're going to sit down for that. So if you'll read with me Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. 
that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray. Father, we need you today. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to hear and to listen to, to receive your word. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us of the joy that awaits us when we run to you. And today, for those who may not know you, God, would you open their eyes and draw them to yourself. For those who know you, maybe who have strayed, God, would you draw them back. For those who know you, maybe who are trying to be good enough, God, remind them to rest in you. Lord, help us today. Help us to, to be fed by your word, to be encouraged, challenged, changed, transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, here's the context. There were tax collectors and sinners that were drawing near to Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes grumbled about Jesus receiving sinners. Here we see that God is and we should be rejoicing over the lost being saved. Now we're about to look at a familiar parable. You got three of them stacked on top of each other. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Some of us know this next story as the, the prodigal son. And this parable, it, rem it reminds us or, or warns us to beware of the allurement of sin and the blindness of self-righteousness. question for us today is, do we have ears to hear. Let's look at verse 11. Luke chapter 15 verse 11. And he said there was a man. Who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father. Father give me the share. Of property that is coming to me. Now do you know what he was asking? He's asking for his inheritance. That's not normally how an inheritance works. Normally an inheritance is received when? At death. So he's saying, go ahead and give it to me now. So I can have it now. Now, if I were this father, I don't think I would have responded the same way he did. What does he do? He gives it to him. Now, I think I would say no. And by the way, I'm going to take you out of my will for when I do die. <laughs> think about it. But look what this gracious father does. He divided his property between them. Verse 13, it says, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. Now, he wasn't taking the physical land and the sheeps and uh, herds that he had, but he sold that. He's got the money. He goes on a far journey. And what does he do? Look what he does in verse 13. And there, he squandered his property in reckless living. 
I think now when we hear prodigal son, we, we think about a son that has gone and come back. But the word prodigal here doesn't mean a child that returns. It means reckless living. It means extravagant, lavish. Matter of fact, the younger son spent all that he had on reckless or prodigal living. In just a minute, we're going to see him come to the end of himself and come back to his father. And we're going to see the father run to meet the son when he repented and offer him a reckless, extravagant prodigal love. Watch this. This son spends all of his property on reckless living. And then when he had spent Everything, verse 14, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. You see what he's doing? This is a representation of those of us who say, you know what? I want to do life my way. I don't want rules and regulations to hold me back. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to live it up. And he spent all that he had. He squandered it on reckless living. Famine comes, he finds himself in need. So what does he do? He gets a job. Now you know, in this day and time, to a Jewish audience, swine, pigs, or unclean animals. Look at the job he gets. He went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, a Gentile, obviously, who sent him into the fields to do what? Feed pigs. Insult to injury. Verse 16, and he was so hungry, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. Now that's hungry. When you want pig food, you're hungry. You're low. You might have hit rock bottom. And one of these days he came to himself. It says in verse 16, he was longing to be fed and he was hungry. No one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said... Now, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. And he's like, this don't make sense. I left a good man, a good father who had plenty, who took good care of the people that worked for him. And look at what I'm doing. I'm starving to death out here working, wishing that I could even eat pig slop. So he devises a plan. I'm going to rise, verse 18, and I'm going to go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know what this is? This is brokenness. This is a poor spirit. Humility. This is Repentance. Father, I, I blew it. I don't deserve to be called your son. I have messed up. I went my own way. It's the wrong way. I'm coming home. Would you at least let me be like one of your, your workers? Would you hire me? This is brokenness. This is surrender. Now watch what the father does. Verse 20, he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I get the picture of a father who's looking for his son to return. He's watching. 
sees him from a long ways off. Now this son is filthy. Reckless living and poverty and hungry, tattered and broken. I don't see him in good shape. I see him pretty tattered and, and worn out. And the father, imagine the son probably had a little bit of butterflies. Is he going to receive me? Is he going to shame me? Is he going to turn his back on me? Will he even give me the time of day? What's going to happen? The father felt compassion. This word for compassion is like feeling it deep in your bowels. Mercy. He can feel it himself when he sees his son. He has butterflies himself. And what does he do? He ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cuts him off. He said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. How does the father respond? With compassion. He runs. He meets him. Now it was undignified for a landowner in this status to run. This son had shamed him. This son had spit in his face. Took his belongings and left and squandered it. And what does he do? He runs to meet him. And when it says he hugged him. This isn't just a little hug with a pat on the back. The word means he fell on his neck. He embraces him. He's resting on him. You're talking about passion. And he kisses him continuously. His dirty, filthy face. Just smothering his son in kisses. Doesn't matter what he did. It matters that he came back. He repented. And he came home. Can you imagine the joy? Some of you have experienced this yourselves in real life. The, 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 the emotion here is understandable as a father-son relationship. He restores him. He receives him and he gives him, he says, put the best robe on him and the ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. He receives him. He restores him and he celebrates his return. Get the fattened calf. Kill it. Cook it up. We're about to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Now, while they're celebrating, what happens? Older brother comes in from the field. Look. At verse 25. Now his older brother, sorry, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He thought, now what is this? I'm having a party. What's going on? So he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. Look at verse 27. He said to him, your brother has come home. Now, this older son, older brother, he knows the anguish that his father has experienced at the loss of his son, right? There's no, there's no Facebook stalking. He doesn't know if this boy's okay. All he knows is that he's gone in a faraway country and there's famine. He doesn't know this, the, the, the state of his son. And this older brother would know how excited his father was. Matter of fact, he knows that they're partying. 
But he doesn't celebrate because of his brother's good fortune and not even for his father's joy. Look, what he, look how he responds. Verse 27. And he, he said to him, your brothers come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28. But he was angry. Why? He refused to go in. There's joy at the father's table. There's celebration. There's music. There's dancing. There's, there's laughter. But he doesn't want any of that. Why? Because he's angry. He's frustrated. He's unforgiving. So what does the father do? Does the father say, I forget him? Well, look what the father does. His father came out and entreated him. Do you see what's going on here? There's, there's, there's a father that represents God. There's a son that represents the wayward. And there's another son that represents the righteous and religious. And the righteous and religious son is missing it. He represents the Pharisees that we saw in the beginning of the story. He misses it. He's missing out on the joy of relationship with the father. So what does the father do? He goes after him too. Come on in, son. Let's celebrate. But look how he talks to his father. His true colors are about to show, by the way. He answered his father, verse 29. Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came. Doesn't say, my brother, your son. Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son. You're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate. And be glad. For this brother, your brother was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. Early in the story, the sinners and the tax collectors are coming to Jesus to do what? Hear him. But the scribes and the Pharisees are grumbling. Because Jesus is spending time with sinners. Now, we're harsh on them, right? They were trying to do what they thought was right. You remember Psalm 1, how blessed is a man who does not what? Right? Walk in the way of the unrighteous or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. But does what? Delights in the law of the Lord. They, they're trying to do right. But they forgot. They forgot that God didn't choose them because they're special. They're special because he chose them. He chose the nation of Israel to represent himself to the world. And it was always about grace and faith. But they had got it backwards. And they thought that they were going to remain clean by not going to unclean places. They forgot that they were unclean because of themselves. There's three main characters, if you will. You got the father, you got the younger son, and the older son. 
There's three main takeaways that I want to show you today. Number one, beware of the allurement of sin. My buddy Guy sent me a picture yesterday. You know how sometimes people send you a picture of a fish and they're holding it way out here to make it look big? He wasn't doing that. He didn't have to. He was holding it right here because it was a big old whopper of a bass. Now, he's been telling me about this lure he has. He said it's unstoppable. He said you catch some big old hogs with it. And he sent me a picture to prove it. But what does that lure do? It makes that bass think, hey, that looks good. And when he bites it, he feels that hook, but it's too late to spit it out. The lure allures the bass to take a bite, and by the time he knows it, it's too late. Beware of the allurement of sin. Sin, you've heard it said, will take you further than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. The younger son tasted that. He got his fill, and he finally hit rock bottom, and he knew that he needed to come back to the father. Beware of the allurement of sin. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we have been chasing sin and doubting God's goodness. Isn't that what happened in the original sin? Remember how the serpent tempted Adam and Eve? He made them think that God was trying to hold something back from them that was better. They doubted God's goodness and they went their own way and sin entered the world. And now we have sickness, we have death, we have separation from a holy God. We are experiencing the fallen earth, this fallen creation because of the allurement of sin. It does not satisfy. It has a hook. It destroys. Beware. If you're running from God and you're seeking joy from sin, whether you're in him or out, repent. Turn back to him. Repent. Enter into your father's joy. Turn back to God. Trust Jesus. He loves you. This is what it looks like to repent. Abandon your ways for God's ways. And put all of your confidence in Jesus. Beware of the allurement of sin. Also, beware of the blindness of self-righteousness. The older brother represents this religion. It's a picture of the Pharisees and the scribes. By the way, Jesus is calling them to come also into this joy, but they're blind. You know, you can have two, two people. They can have the same disease. One of them find out about it, and the other one not ever know it. The one that finds out about it has a chance for treatment. Which one's in a better predicament? The younger brother realizes he has a problem. That he needs help. And he's able to receive the cure. Older brother is blind. He's blinded by his self-righteousness. They thought that they were clean. Because they did not associate with tax collectors and sinners. They did not realize that they were unclean. Because of their own sin. Of pride and self-reliance. Nobody's clean y'all. There's not a single person in this room. That is clean. Matter of fact, Romans 3.23 says it like this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us need forgiveness. We need grace. You know, I, I was talking with somebody the other day about the good news of salvation. I said, but I got to start with the bad news. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have disobeyed God. 
We are sinners in need of a Savior. The Ten Commandments was never meant to save us. You can't keep them. They're meant to show you your need for a Savior. Nobody in this room is righteous in and of yourself. We need grace. Beware of the emptiness of religion. Religion is transactional. If I work, then I should be rewarded. It makes us bitter. It does not rest, but it works. It does not produce joy, but jealousy and frustration. Jesus has lived the perfect life that we cannot live. And he has died to pay the penalty for our sin. If you find yourself identifying more with the older brother, you know what you need to do? You need to abandon your ways for God's ways and put all of your confidence in Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We need to beware of the allurement of sin and we need to beware of the blindness of self-righteousness. There's one more thing I want you to see in this story. We are invited to enter into the Father's joy, enter into the Father's joy. Do you see how the father rejoiced over his son returning? I think sometimes we see God as grumpy and unapproachable. That's not the God of the Bible. He's a God of mercy and kindness. Yes, he is just. And in his wisdom, he has provided salvation. Sin has been dealt with and paid for in Christ. And he offers us restoration and forgiveness. And, and he offers us salvation. He loves to receive us and he rejoices when we come to him this is not permissiveness this is grace the father allowed his son to go to get his fill and to hit rock bottom and when his son was broken and ready to return and to trust him the father ran to meet him he fell on his neck he kissed him continuously. He restored him and rejoiced over his return. This is a picture of the lavish grace of God to those who repent and are saved. Those who were dead but are alive. Those who were lost but are found. Even after the younger son blew it, he was welcomed to return and be restored and experience forgiveness and joy. What kind of party would that have been? Even when the older brother refused to join the celebration of his younger brother's return, the father still went to him also. And he entreated him to join the celebration. Don't miss the joy of salvation because of the emptiness of religion. Come to Jesus. Rejoice when sinners are saved. You know, God does not need us. You know that, right? He doesn't need us. He's God. He is God Almighty. But He still invites us to be a part of Him drawing the nations to Himself. He invites us to take part of the joy of others coming to Christ. Have you ever seen someone go from death to life? Have you ever been used by God to share the good news that we can be saved? Have you ever seen a sinner come to Jesus and repent and be saved? Ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like it.
Rejoice when sinners are saved. Go, go and tell others of his goodness. Tell other people about this good God that we serve. Tell them about the joy that is available to them. The restoration, the forgiveness, the adoption into his family. Tell them that God loves them. Enter into the Father's joy. Don't get stuck in performance mode. Rest in grace. Enjoy the love of your Father. Am I the only one? You slip into that performance mode. You read your Bible out of checking it off your box. Pray. Check it off your box. You go to church. You check it off your box. You tithe. You check it off your box. You tell somebody about Jesus and you feel good about yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Jesus has completely satisfied the law in my place. When God the Father looks at me, he sees the perfection of his son. I'm not talking about serving God for righteousness. I'm talking about serving him from righteousness. And there's a big difference. There's joy in relationship. It's not that we have to read the Bible. It's that we get to. And that he speaks to us. It's not that we have to pray for the nations. It's that we get to join God in what he's doing. It's not that we have to come to church. We get to be here together and worship the Father who has saved us. There is a difference when we're serving him from righteousness instead of for righteousness. There's one more son I want to tell you about. His name is Jesus. He left his home. But it wasn't in rebellion. And it wasn't for religion. He left his home to come to this earth. Because we couldn't make it to him. He's the perfect son of God. Who never sinned. He completely fulfilled the law. In our place. And then he died on the cross. To pay the penalty for our sin. The wages of sin is death. But God proves his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And now. Not what we deserve, but God offers us a free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, not just the Son of God, but God the Son, has come to show us what it is to be forgiven. And he's preaching to the Pharisees and he's preaching to the tax collectors and sinners. Come and enter into the Father's joy. No matter where you find yourself today. No matter who you identify with more. Whether you're lost or whether you're saved. Here's my, implore, I implore you. Come and rest in Jesus. His work is finished. His work is finished. Maybe today you need to be saved. Maybe today you need to just rest. You've been saved. But religion is getting the best of you. That's no fun. And that's not what we're called to. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today thanking you for the joy of salvation. Lord, we do not deserve your grace and your mercy. We deserve your judgment and your wrath. You are holy and righteous, and you have devised a way for salvation for sinners. You, Lord Jesus, came in our place, took our sin, died on the cross and rose from the grave. You defeated sin, you defeated death, and we worship you today. God, help us to trust you you in your goodness and in your faithfulness help us to rest in you when we seek your face in your word would you reveal yourself to us god when we sing your praises would you give us joy as we worship you not 
because we have to, but because we get to. Lord, for those in this room who may not know you, would you open their eyes and draw them to yourself? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of response, right? You don't want to come and spend time in the Word without responding to what God is saying. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And as you stand, I got you a few questions for you to think about. Do you need to be saved? Are you the older brother or the younger brother? Are you trusting in your goodness? Or are you running after sin? Do you need to come to Christ today and be forgiven? He will receive you with open arms and you can enter into the Father's joy. Do you need to be saved? Or are you saved? Do you just need to sit in your seat and praise Jesus for what he's done? Do you need to come and pray up here? Do you need to come forward and talk to a pastor about what it means to follow Christ? Do you need to come forward and talk to a pastor about baptism? Do you need to come forward and talk to a pastor about coming and surrendering to ministry or missions? This is a chance for you to respond to what Jesus is doing in your heart. Whether you stay or whether you come. As we sing, respond to Jesus.